This is the Redemption Church Podcast. For a list of messages, events, and more, please visit experienceredemption.com. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here is today's message. Morning, y'all. Yo. Love it. Hey, if you're new around here, my name is Stephen. I'm the pastor, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. Happy New Year, everybody. Woo, we got one person excited about next year. That's great. Hey, man, wow. All right, that means I got some work to do because I'm pumped for next year. Um, all right, this is one of my favorite sermons of the year. Uh, like, we get this, you know, one week between Christmas and New Year, uh, and uh, today, New Year's Eve, how fun is that? Like, literally, we get to, re, you know, restart, reset next, uh, tomorrow. And, and so I love preaching on this week uh, because it feels kind of like a, like a free agent week. I get to preach on what I, whatever I want to preach on, whatever kind of God has laid on my heart. And I was reading through uh, the Word of God a couple of weeks ago, and this passage really stuck out to me. And uh, this morning, I want to talk about what it looks like to, to get ready and to, to be ready. And we're going to look at a passage that talks about how we get ready for every good work. And uh, each of us, right, every morning we've got our own, like, uh, get ready routine. Uh, if you're married, there's probably one of you that's really quick at getting ready and one of you that's really not, right? And you probably know who that is in your relationship, all right? Uh, and, and, and this idea of, like, getting ready, like, how do you get ready for your day? How do you get ready for your vacation? How do you get ready for a new year? How do you get ready for what the Word of God calls every good work? In fact, let me read the passage to you this morning. It's in 2 Timothy, if you want to follow along in your Bibles. Uh, we're in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and uh, let me read this opening line here, uh, starting in verse 20. Now in a great house, in a great house. Now, uh, when I think of a great house, uh, our church here, it's a house, it's the house of the Lord. We know this, unless the Lord built the house, it'd be built in vain. And, uh, but in a great house, and we wanna be a great house here, and a great house biblically is any house that is submitted fully to the Lordship of Christ. Any house that is uh, saying, Jesus, you're in charge, we're here to follow you. And as a church, we wanna be a great house, and I want you to have a great house. I want you to be a great house. Whether you're a single or you're a married couple or you're a married couple with kids or you're empty nesters or 2024 is going to be the year you become empty nesters, whatever it might be, uh, that you are a great house. Well, how are you a great house? You're a great house by being fully submitted to the lordship of Christ. It says, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use some for dishonorable use. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house. Who's the master of the house? Jesus. Okay, just in case somebody out there was like, I'm the master of the house, I'm gonna use this verse with my kids and tell them to get useful to me, all right? Don't get to use it that way. Useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Ready for every good work. Now you probably, again, you've got your routine on how you get ready in the morning. I've told you guys before, I do like the same thing every single morning. It's how I get ready and prepared for my morning. And today what I wanna talk about is how do you get ready for every good work that God has in store for you in 2024? How many of y'all know 2024 is gonna be crazy? Like, it just is. 
I mean, the craziness has already started, and, uh, and, and we're going to go into 2024, and it's going to be, I think, I mean, we could be wrong, right, uh, a, a crazy year. Uh, we're going to have the presidential election. Uh, you know, my personal opinion, uh, February 11th, it could be the end. Like the, the very end. And so if you're single out there, you want to have sex, uh, you're going to need to do it by February 10th. You need to get married first though, okay? Um, because February 11th could be the end. It's the Super Bowl and it might be the Browns and the Lions, which means everything is over, right? <laughs> like let's be, I mean, if both of them make it, the rapture's happening first. Like, <laughs> so that, that's the sign. That's how you read the signs of the times, right? Um, it's gonna be a crazy year. Like, we, we know this, and how do we get ready for it? Because um, God has good work he wants to do next year. And I'm praying that God has good work that he wants to do in our church, that God has good work he wants to do in your life or in your family, and, and I want us to be ready for the good work. You know, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says this, for by grace you have been saved, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of, God, of grace, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. And then verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Created in advance, that you might walk in them. In other words, God knew before you knew that he wanted you to accomplish good things in 2024, and he's actually laid them out. And the first way we get ready uh, is that grace comes in and it arrests us, it changes us. It takes us from our sinful heart, uh, we're given a new heart in Christ uh, by the, the beauty of the gospel. And some of you, you've experienced that in 2023, like you know it, your heart has changed. Grace has changed you. Like the, the great hymns uh, talked about, like un, undeserving, out of nowhere, grace came, it hit you, and it changed you. But that's the first part of being prepared. The second part then is how we are prepared. What do we do to get ready for what God has in store? And so this morning, I want to lay out just very simply three things, three ways that you and I can get ready for the good work that God has for you this year. Uh, in uh, Hebrews, uh, New Testament uh, book of the Bible, the writer is talking about how this, like, he creates a metaphor of being on a race. And he says this race, it's a race of following after what God has for you. And in the metaphor, uh, he says that there are weights that we can put on. And when you're running the race, like any race, the more weight you have on you, the harder it is to run the race. And so the, uh, to, to run the race with the, the speed and efficiency, uh, agility that you want to be able to run on, you take weight off so that you can run it better. This morning, I want to talk about um, three ways we can get ready so that we can run this race best, so that we can run it best as a church, so that you can run it best as an individual. And it's right here in the Word of God. It makes it really clear for us. That's why we believe the Bible around here is relevant today as the day that it was written. Let me give you the first one. If you want to be ready for what God has for you next year, every good work, the first thing you need to do is flee youthful passions. That's the first thing he says. Paul says to Timothy, he says, flee youthful passions. Now, um, how many of you know you can be not youthful and still engaged in youthful passions, right? Yeah, amen. Uh, like, this youthful passions are not just the thing of the young, 
right? Youthful passions can carry on in life. Um, I coached football in my early 20s, and, uh, and then by the time after like three years of coaching football, um, I changed a lot as a coach because I learned some things. And, and, uh, and I would look back and I'd go, oh man, my third year I coached way differently than my first year. But then I'd always run up to these guys who were like in their 40s or their 50s and they were still coaching uh, in many ways, like the seriousness and, and, and all of this other stuff. Like I had coached my first year and I thought to myself, why haven't you learned this? Like these are 11 year olds, calm down. Right? And, um, but uh, if you don't learn what you're supposed to learn at the age that you're supposed to learn it, then you get to an age where you're not supposed to still be doing it and you're still doing it. Right? Flee youthful passions. If you want to get ready for what God has for you, you're going to have to run away from some things. You're going to have to flee them. And so let me tell you what the first one is. The first one's the most obvious one sin. Sin. Sin is a weight. It's a weight that holds us down from running at the speed that God wants us to run after. And uh, there is, uh, of course, like we think of like, oh, these are the obvious sins, right? And, and we could go through the list and they're in the scripture, but then there's the not so obvious ones. There's pride. There's uh, a self-centeredness. There's um, a, a religious a spirit uh, that thinks we're better than anyone else. There's, uh, and then, uh, of course, there are the other sins uh, that, that, are, that are clear and obvious, and the Word of God says, run from them. Uh, in fact, we're actually told in one part of the Word of God, like, flee from sexual immorality. Uh, and around here, we know that biblical sexuality is pretty simple. Man, woman, marriage. That's it, right? Anything outside of the context of that is sinful. And, uh, and we're supposed to run from sin. Now, how do we flee from sin? Two ways. One is the sin that we're already engaged in. And how do we do that? We repent. And here's the good news about the gospel, friend. Uh, whatever sin, whatever happened last week, last night, last year, Jesus paid for it on the cross. And so this morning is not condemnation. It's in an invitation for you to step into the forgiveness that he has granted, but to repent and to run away from it, to be changed by it. Some of us, we're still caught up in sin patterns that when we were in high school, uh, we thought, I'll just grow out of this one, and you haven't grown out of it. Repent from sin. Run from it. Get away from it. Leave it behind, right? Second way we run from sin is this. Um, when we're tempted, we flee. And this is how temptation works. The Word of God teaches us this in the book of James. Uh, it was a letter written by Jesus' half-brother, and he talks about how sin kind of grows inside of us. And sin starts as um, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And so it's this, um, this quick glance, or it's this quick uh, inner thought of the heart, or it's this quick sense of arrogance. And, and then what it does is uh, our heart then gives birth to it, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. And what fleeing from sin does is the most moment we see it, we run and depart. The moment the prideful thought gets into your mind, you bring yourself back to the cross in humility. The, the, the moment, right, the, the, the unnatural or the ungodly desire begins to birth in your heart, you go, oh Lord, I'm sorry. And you crush it there. The moment you see yourself starting down to walk down the habit or the, the old pattern, you go, no, 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 I'm not doing that again. You flee from it. I had a friend in my uh, early 20s 
He took this passage of scripture really literally uh, for good reason. Uh, he, was, he was addicted to pornography and I, he told me this. He said, this is how I, I, I learned to deal with it. He said, every time I am tempted, I literally go for a run. And so uh, it would be two in the morning uh, in the middle of winter and he would know his heart was uh, prone to wander and so he'd go, he'd put on his clothes, he'd put on his shoes and he'd go out for a run. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm fleeing from youthful passions. I'm running from it. It was that kind of intensity though, that kind of desire to walk in holiness that Paul is getting after here. He's saying run from it. Stay as far away from sin as you can. Stop it and move into holiness. Flee from youthful passions. Flee from sin. And so maybe this morning there's just something, and I'll give you some time at the end, that you just need to just repent from, right? And, and, and to say, you know what, I'm going into 2024 and I'm not carrying that with me. Uh, I'm not carrying my anger with me. I'm not carrying that way I lash out at my kids with me. I'm not carrying that self-centeredness that I bring into every situation with me. I'm not carrying that, that pride uh, with me. I'm gonna leave it here, I'm gonna flee from it, and as you do, you're getting prepared for every good work God has for you. Another youthful passion, uh, I would say this, and Hebrews gets at it, uh, there's sin, but then Hebrews also talks about weight. In other words, these are things that aren't necessarily sinful, but they're things that kind of hold us back, all right? And so uh, another way of looking at this would be um, creating a stop list in 2024. A way of fleeing from some youthful passions would be saying, okay, these things have been a part of my life, um, maybe some of them since I was a kid, and you know what? It's probably just kind of time to be done with some of these. Let me give you a big one. Time wasters in general. Like, you were made for more than scrolling Instagram and getting excited to watch really pathetic Ohio State football, okay? Like, you're... Uh, an author that I listen to, he calls it trash world. And trash world is just the constant consumption of trash, right? And listen, there's nothing wrong with having an, Insta- an Instagram account or consuming, you, you know, things, whatever. But, but doesn't the world just like push us to this like constant state of consumption? I'm gonna consume, 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 consume. And we live our lives off of these dopamine kicks about overconsumption. You're made for more than that. And some of the stop lists this year as you're getting prepared for every good work is just to stop some of that, to grab back some of your time. Hey, a year went by. Did you do the thing you said you were gonna do? Did you make the changes you said you were gonna make? Did you engage differently? Did you run differently this year, right? Another, you don't get this time back, right? And so maybe you just need to make a little bit of a stop list. These are some things, they're, they're dominating my heart, they're dominating my mind, they're dominating my time. I'm gonna stop. Another youthful passion, I think, um, that the, the Word of God talks about over and over and over again, and that I would say this would be a good stop, is, uh, is this, um, stop spending money like you're 15. It's cute when you're 15, right? But what if you're not anymore? You got a family. You got kids, you got a, a spouse or you're preparing for a spouse. 
And the word of God over and over talks about the the value and the nature of stewarding what God has given us well, of of stewarding uh, um, what what God has blessed you with in the moment to prepare you for what he's going to give you in the future. But the preparation for what he's gonna give you in the future starts with the stewarding right now. And uh, youthful passion is, uh, is operating like when you're in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, whatever it is, uh, like, like you're still a 15-year-old who gets his paycheck and disappears at Burger King, right? But, but taking control of what God has given you. And this prepares us for the good work that God has for you. Let me give you an example. Uh, sometimes I'll talk to people and they're like, oh, well, you know, Stephen, your church was lucky. Like the, in, in 2020, you know, you went into COVID and, uh, you know, you guys were kind of small and this and, and then you just got this magical building out in Monclova all of a sudden and you grew. I said, okay, so let's just pretend for a second that it was just luck that the building opened up, right? It was not luck that we had faithfully set aside $100,000 every year, which was 25% of our budget, for four years in a row, so that when the building came for sale, we could go to the bank and they didn't laugh us out of the room. Right? What am I saying? We were faithful with what God had given us, and he prepared us for a good work in the future. And so maybe you just need to look, you say, you know what, I need to stop. I need to stop acting like this. I need, to, I, I need to take control of this in my life. And what does it do? It's preparing you. And um, uh, we teach this around here, like biblical preparation or biblical taking care of your finances. It starts just with being faithful to God with the tithe. Uh, why? Because what, what does the tithe do? It's two things. One, uh, it's, it's obedience to God. It says, I trust God more than I trust me. And then number two, the tithe says, um, uh, I, I am willing to engage in the body of Christ, right? And sometimes people are like, well, no, I tithe the, this thing and I tithe the, that thing. And I said, no, no, the tithe says, no, I tithe to, my body, to the body of Christ because I'm not so prideful to think that I get to operate outside of the body of Christ, right? And so what does it do? It, it, it humbles us and, and, and it causes us to obey and then we step in, right? And what is God doing? He's preparing us for every good work ahead, right? And so that, that's a stop list, right? But then um, in the text, what does it tell us next, right? This is how you get ready. And so if you're like, man, I want God to do great things in my life. I, I, I want God to, to do great things in our church. I want God to do all these awesome things. How do you get ready for those awesome things? Because uh, sometimes we just want God to do the awesome things, but we don't want to do the work of being ready for the awesome things. Right. How do we do it? Well, we, we flee youthful passions. So a stop list, but then look what he says next. This is like point 1B. He says, so flee youthful passions, and instead pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. He says, uh, gather yourself with some other people and don't just stop or flee, also pursue. So you're gonna run away from one thing and you're gonna run to another thing. You're gonna stop one thing and you're gonna start another thing. So what are some things to start? If you wanna get prepared for what God has in store for you best in 2024, what are some things to start doing? Well, one of them would be, it's alluded to in the text there. He says you're gonna do this with other people to start getting yourself in Christian community. To, to surround yourself with brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Hebrew says, who are stirring you on or urging you on to good works, who are urging you on to obey God with all of your life, to submit yourself in completeness to the lordship of Christ and to surround yourself in good Christian community. And so are you in it? It's so important 
Psalm 107 talks about a, a wanderer who was a, in a low place in life, and one of the ways that God lifted him up was by giving him a city to dwell in. We've seen the beauty and the value of uh, church family uh, and Christian community just in the last week as a church. Uh, it was a week ago today on Sunday uh, during this service. Uh, it was Christmas Eve, so it was this joyous celebrated, uh, celebration time, but uh, there was a family in our church that was going through um, I mean, just a, a very bad season. Their, their 10-month-old uh, was in the NICU uh, with RSV and pneumonia, and we stopped. Some of you are here. We stopped last Sunday before, and we prayed, and, uh, and, and we prayed uh, for this child, and uh, he was then put on a vent, right? And I, guys, I am so excited to tell you he is coming home on Tuesday, right? Uh, amen. And uh, he would have actually been home today, but the, the doctor who has to sign off is on vacation. So they have to wait till Tuesday. And, um, but the beauty of, uh, of, it's Christmas Eve, it's supposed to be joy, a celebration, but when your brother in Christ is there, walking through this, you don't just pretend like everything's okay. You stop, you pray. Some of us, we get to watch Greg, uh, the father of this young boy, he was here at church, um, worshiping with his hands lifted up and tears in his eyes right? That's worship. But you do that with church family. You don't know what life's going to throw at you, but you do know who you should want with you when it does. Your family, your church family, brothers and sisters in Christ who walk with you in these seasons of life. And so flee youthful passions. Flee. Um, And it doesn't mean we just have to abandon any person in our life who's not in Christ, but it does mean that we need to make sure that the chief influences in our lives, our chief community are those who are going to stir us on to following Christ. Our family in Christ who's gonna, who, who's gonna hold us and be with us in these seasons, right? Uh, that's one thing you could start. Another thing we should start is this. We should, we should start being in the word of God every single day. The Christians, uh, I believe it was in Berea, were called noble because they studied the word and they studied the word of God every single day. Uh, They opened it up. They didn't just wait from Sunday to Sunday or from teaching to teaching. They got in it themselves. And friends, the word of God, uh, it doesn't have to be alien or foreign to you. Uh, It's not just something that I get to open up and teach. Uh, It's something that you can open up and you can read and you can get in each and every day. And I would encourage you to start doing that, to open up the word on a daily basis to make it a part of your rhythm, part of your getting ready for each and every day should be getting into the word of God. We believe it around here. Uh, And we believe that it is everything that we need for a life of godliness. And so for the good work that you want to do to be equipped for it, you're going to need this. And so get into it every single day. We want to help you with that around here. And so here's just a couple of tools and resources uh, that that we have that we produce here to help you in this. One of them is called The Daily Dig. Uh, You can sign up on our website. Uh, We just recently reformatted it. Uh, it, It's uh, kind of like a devotional that goes deeper into the weekly sermon. Uh, And so you can sign up for that online uh, and it'll come right to your inbox every single morning. In that inbox then or in that email, there will be a link to two other things uh, that you can start using using uh, on a weekly basis to help you just get into the Word of God. One of them is uh, my sermon notes. Uh, And so my assistant, Jamie, every week, she takes my notes and uh, she puts them into like a two-page PDF. And so you can get those and then just kind of read through and continue to study the conversation of what we began on Sunday morning. And so that's available to you on the website. uh, And then that'll come through that Daily Dig email. Uh, And then a third thing, this is brand new that we're launching. Uh, And so the first one will come out this Wednesday. And since 
is the first one. It's a little bit different. But we're calling it the Redemption Recap. And what it is, it's a midweek podcast that will be released every Wednesday. And it's a conversation with me or some other staff members or people in our church. And it's just a conversation around the sermon from Sunday. Uh, and so there'll be 20, 30 minutes or so. And it's going to be different voices saying, this is what I learned. And this is what God's spirit is doing in me as a result of it. This is what it's compelling me to start or to stop. Uh, this is how, uh, you know, I saw that passage. Or this is another passage that it reminded me of. And so it's just going to be a dialogue around it. It'll be released every Wednesday morning. And what we're trying to do is just help you to, uh, to get into the word of God over and over and over, to surround yourself with the church community and the family of Christ so that you're consuming good things, right? Uh, and so that's something else that would be helpful. Uh, hopefully it'll be helpful uh, that you could start to do. But, but all of that um, doesn't and should not ever replace or substitute uh, just you getting into the word of God on your own, and letting God speak to you. So tomorrow, day one of a new year, start. And I'm a New Year's junkie, right? Like I've told you guys this before. Every New Year's Day, I have an Excel document that I go through, and it has all of this list of stuff, and I chronicalize it every single year. And I'm like the guy who gets like excited at the end because I just want to see the stats, right? Uh, but you know, you're going into a new year, and, and so what if next year you look, and at the end of the year, you're like, man, I'm I got it, like in 2023, I got into the word of God like four times, but then next year you get into it 200 times. How awesome is that? What's the impact that's gonna have over five years, 10 years? How much more are you gonna prepare for every good work that God has for you? Another thing you might uh, consider starting this year is this, uh, start serving the body of Christ. And um, the, 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 around here, one of my favorite things at Redemption is this. We never push people into things too quickly. And a lot of you, you've experienced this. You've shown up to our church, and, uh, and you showed up, and you were serving in previous churches or whatever. You have all this great skill and talent. And I try to tell everybody the same thing. We were fine before you showed up, and we're going to be fine without you. Right? Doesn't mean we don't love you. Doesn't mean we're not glad that you're here. What it does mean is this. Like, you're not showing up into a desperate situation where we're like, hey, I'm so glad you're here. There's four babies in the back. Go change some diapers, right? What we want to do is say, come and relax. Just take a chill. Breathe. And, and, and rest a little bit. But there comes a point where God's going to call you back into action. And the Holy Spirit will tell you that. And uh, sometimes though, what happens is this, uh, a, a season of rest can turn into spiritual laziness or apathy. And I'm not here to tell you if that's a week, a month, a year. That, that's for you and the Holy Spirit. I am here to challenge a little bit though, has that happened for you? Because what, what can happen is rest can turn into apathy, uh, which can turn into us just kind of becoming sedentary. And then all of a sudden, a vibrant part of our faith, which is serving and engaging with the body, can grow absent uh, and it can actually begin to turn our hearts. And so maybe uh, this is just a reminder to, to just like, you know, turning back the on button and saying, hey, God's got something he wants you to do. God's got something he wants you to do, you know, a way to be a part of the body of Christ. And so this is just a reminder to start that next year. And, uh, and, and, and here's the thing. When you talk about, well, Stephen, how is this connected to being prepared for every good work? Uh, here's how it is connected. When you just say yes to the first thing, you have no idea what God is preparing for you down the, down in the future. 
I can tell you story after story of people in our church who showed up and they were like, you know what, I'm just gonna start somewhere and now uh, what God has them doing is, is amazing. But that was not the end result in mind. The beginning was just, I wanna be faithful in the first step and then God opens up the doors as you go. In fact, some of you, you're like, I don't know what you want me to do, God. Here's what I know he wants you to do. He wants you to be obedient in whatever the next step is. I know that to be a fact. Whatever the next step is, be obedient in that one. And as you're obedient in that one, the, uh, the future will begin to make itself more and more clear as you're obedient in step after step. Another thing uh, you might consider starting this year uh, is in direct contrast to what I just talked about or talked about a couple of minutes ago. Uh, instead of spending uh, like, a, like a 15-year-old still uh, to, to say, you know what, this is the year where I'm gonna realize that every penny I receive is a gift from God. And every penny I receive is, uh, is something that I am called to faithfully steward for him. That's, that, that's the biblical belief, uh, by the way, when it comes to our money, uh, that every penny, every penny is his and has been given to us by him. And our Christian response then is to say, God, how do I leverage every penny you've given to me uh, for your kingdom? What do I do? How do I surrender all of it to you? Right? Now, God is good to us, and he doesn't mind, uh, you know, we get to take care of our families, we get to do all this, stuff, go on trips, whatever, whatever. But we want to uh, be in a place where we say, God, I'm going to take care of this. And so uh, we, we want to help you with this, too. So every year, uh, we spend, I think it's $2,500, uh, and, and what it does is it gives access to anyone in our church, uh, uh, access to Dave Ramsey's Every Dollar. Now, if you go buy Every Dollar on your own, it's 120 bucks. Right, but if you get the link from us, it's free. Uh, and so we're willing to pay this $2,500 as a church because we think that this is so helpful uh, and, and good for families and individuals to engage in. And so uh, at one o'clock today, an email's gonna go out uh, with the new link for next year. Even if you had it this year, you still need the new link, so click on it, uh, and then that'll take you right in. And maybe this is a time where you begin to view your money, not just as this thing that you earn because you're awesome, but this thing that God has given you for his kingdom, and you go into 2024, and you're like, God, I want to leverage every penny for you. Show me how to do this. And what are you doing? You're getting yourself ready. You're getting yourself ready for every good work. One of those good works might be, uh, you start doing this. You're, you're faithful in this way, right? God opens up doors you never thought would open, but you're faithful with this way, and at the right moment, at the right time, you're gonna see a need, and it's gonna be a good work for you to be able to supply that need, but you wouldn't have been able to supply it unless you started preparing now. Right? So start, get ready. Flee the youthful passions, right? Okay, so that's the first thing we do. We flee youthful passions and we pursue, right? We pursue righteousness and faith and love and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. All right, let me give you the second one uh, and then I got a third one, so I'm gonna do the second one quickly. Uh, here's number, number two. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. I'm gonna say it this way. Stop having stupid arguments. Amen? Okay. I posted about a stupid argument yesterday. Some of you are gonna hate this. The SEC is better than the Big Ten, okay? It's just true. You can continue to argue about it, but it's a dumb argument. They've won 19 of the last 23 national championships, and I'm an Ohio State fan, okay? Here's my point. You can argue, but you're wrong. 
There's a lot of things in life that we just argue, argue, argue about, and some of them are silly, like football or you know where to go to dinner or whatever, but y'all just got done with family Christmas, so you know when foolish arguments bring controversy and division, amen? Yeah. It's a spiritual principle too, though. It's a spiritual principle, and here it is. It says, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do as well. Now, there's a lot going on in here. Here's what this isn't saying. It's not saying that you can't have an opinion, right? It's not saying that you can't have a, a deep conviction, but it is saying, how then do you operate out of that deep conviction? And I want to give three, real quick, three foolish arguments um, or fool's errands that I think will help us really as a body of Christ um, get ready for what God wants us to do in 2024. Uh, The first one is this, doctrinal division. Okay, the church has been divided by literally denomination, uh, which means breakdown of something, right? Um, For, I mean, 2,000 years, but very prominently in the last 300 years. And these doctrinal divisions um, uh, in in true Orthodox Christianity, doctrinal divisions are not core doctrine. They're secondary or third doctrines. I mean, it would be fun one day to go through what some of the doctrinal divides were that um, launched new denominations, okay? We're not talking about like first layer or second layer. We're talking like sixth or seventh layer, okay? Like, like all the way down. And, and these denominations and these divisions have splintered the church for hundreds and then really 2,000 years because we see Paul write about it at the beginning. And um, around here, here's what we've decided as a church, okay? Here's what we've decided. We are a post-denominational church, which means we unify around core doctrine. Um, we believe the Bible is as relevant today as the day that is written and that it speaks to current cultural issues in a way that we need to boldly proclaim, and then we choose to unify, not divide over secondary issues. That's who we are, okay? And guess what? Just because you have a deep doctrinal conviction doesn't mean you get to change what God is doing here. And it is foolish and ignorant controversy then to continue to bring it up or to continue to bring it up. We, we have decided to unify around core doctrine. And I would say this, our commitment in this has created, I think, something that is beautiful. And that is that we gather here every Sunday with so many different doctrinal backgrounds, but unified around core doctrine. I think that's beautiful. And we want to continue that. So if you want to fight about it, go somewhere else. There's a lot of people out there who would love to fight with you, okay? Hopefully they're just not here. Number two, doctrinal extremism. Here's what doctrinal extremism is. Doctrinal extremism is when we hold a doctrinal position, okay, that, uh, and it might be right, it might be right, but it's, a, it, it's, a, it's almost like doctrinal boutiqueness, uh, boutiqueness. And here's what I mean by that. You just love that one particular doctrine so much, and anyone who doesn't hold you, uh, hold to that particular doctrine, isn't as good as you are. Right? 
you probably wouldn't say that out loud. Some of them would. Um, it's like an intellectual or doctrinal elitism that says if you don't view this one particular thing, I'm not talking about core doctrine, the way I do, then we can't be friends. Or well, how this plays out in the body of Christ is this. Uh, the people will say, well, um, uh, unless you believe this, I can't be in relationship with you. Or, and these are on all the extremes, right? They're on the charismatic extremes. They're on the reformed extremes. Uh, the, sometimes these come out of previous denominations right? They're all of these things. And what, what they've done is they create these wings of Christianity where there's such a narrow bit uh, that, that you're, and you're disconnected from the rest of the body of Christ, okay? And I would say this, it's foolish and it's ignorant. And, it, uh, and, 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 uh, and it's unnecessary, right? Because it splinters the body of Christ, and, and here's what happens sometimes. Um, sometimes people will have these and they'll come into our body and here's what they'll, in essence, they don't ever say this, but in essence, here's what's happening. They'll say, listen, I know that the things are going well and I know that there's elders and I know that there's a leadership structure and I know that there's this thing, but unless this thing happens the way that I like it, I'm gonna continue to raise a fuss. And, and can I tell you something? It's exactly what Paul is saying here. What it does is it breeds quarrels, it breeds division, it breeds distraction, and it takes our eyes off of the true enemy, which is the devil. Friends, look at our world. It's crazy. The last thing our world needs is the church arguing within itself. It's the last thing it needs. What our world needs is a church that says these are the things that make us Christ followers, that make, we unify around this core doctrine taken from uh, 2,000 years of Christianity and we're gonna unify around these and we're gonna fight the enemy, not each other. Amen? Okay. Is that we get ready? Number three. Number third one, I'm gonna do this one really quick because uh, it's tied to this one. I would call this, I call this church legalism. Church legalism works like this. You step into a new body, and you go, hey, I really like this. This is awesome. This is really cool. But, but from my background, I really like this, and I think you should do this, okay? Now, it's fine to present what you think, and there's a godly way to do that, okay? But when it leads to division, breeding, quarrels, and those types of things, it becomes sinful. It becomes sinful. And uh, church legalism uh, looks and says, no, 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 like unless there's communion every week, I'm gonna continue to raise a fuss, right? There's lots of churches that do that. I can give you a list. Or you fill in the blank with all of the other ones. Unless, 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 there's gonna be a constant state of tension until you become what I want you to become. And I would say this, that's, that's divisive uh, and it's, it's detrimental to the body of Christ. It's, it, and it becomes a distraction instead of a unifying thing. And so, how do you get ready? You, 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 you leave these things behind, right? And you forge together in unity. That's how you get ready for work. And I would say this, we've been doing this for six or seven years, and every step of the way, our commitment to these types of things we've been talking about is what has prepared us for the next step that God has in store for us. Let me give you the third one. How do you get ready for what God wants you to do? The third one is this. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Here's something you guys can pray about. I know I need to preach through Revelation. I just don't know when it's gonna be, okay? But sometime soon, I know I, I need to preach through it. Uh, and, and listen, are we in the end times? I don't know. Like I said, if the Lions and the Browns make the Super Bowl, yes. Otherwise, we'll figure it out. Here's what I do know. 
if they thought they were in the last times 2,000 years ago, we are more in the last times than they were 2,000 years ago, okay? What does it say? It's saying that we need to understand the times. If you want to be ready for what God has in store, you need to understand the times, okay? I was watching um, one of the debates earlier this year, and one of the candidates, I won't name names, it was Mike Pence. One of the candidates, <laughs> and I think he's a godly man, I really do. Um, I think he's probably a guy that I would really trust and respect. Um, but he was giving, he was saying something, and I just thought to myself, he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand the moment that we're in. And understanding the times is essential to being able to do what God has called you to do. We need to understand the times, right? Um, we live in a crazy world. In a, in a post-Christian culture, we don't need a divisive church, right? We need a clear one, a unified one. You have to understand the times. Hey, I don't normally do this. In fact, I've never done this. Um, but what I want to do to help me with this third point is I want to bring up a friend of our church um, who for a living has to understand the times. And I'm going to do a little bit of an interview with him. Uh, and so if you guys could give a nice warm welcome to Joel Berry, right, for joining us. Joel, we like you so much. We're going to give you a microphone. There you go. Uh, so, um, some of you will know Joel. Um, Joel is uh, the managing editor of the Babylon Bee. How many of you read the Babylon Bee? Okay. That's amazing. That's so funny. Um, and uh, the Babylon Bee, I mean, has influence all over the country, millions of, of, uh, of readers. Uh, and I mean, it's one of the most like culturally influencing websites. And here you are, you're from Toledo, you live in Toledo, and you get to decide what goes on the website. Yeah, it's, I, I still pinch myself. Sometimes. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I've known you for 15 years, yep. right? Um, so how did you get yourself, how did this happen? Yeah, well, you know, it, it, this sermon well, has been- By the way, real yeah. quick. Um, if you don't know what the Babylon Bee is, <laughs> Yeah. It is, we should do that real quick. Yeah, um, it is a sat, it's a Christian satire site. Yep. So it's, it's hilarious. Um, and, but if, it's if poking you're, it. If truth. you're familiar with The Onion, uh, they do kind of fake AP style news headlines that are satirical. We do the same thing, only we're Christians. So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a different perspective. But um, I started, you know, it, it really is, it's, it's God's grace, you know, and it, it came after a few years of, of God humbling me um, and, and of uh, surrender. Um, I, you know, this sermon was really good for that because I, I think God wants to use us all, um, but he's not gonna use you until he fully has you. And um, you know, if there's things that you're holding back, if, if there's things that you haven't fully surrendered to God in your life, um, you, you need to be prepared to, to pursue him and surrender those things um, so he can use you. And um, you know, once he has you, um, there is no limit to what he can do with you. And it really, it really is miraculous. I, I used to be in corporate supply chain management. Exciting. Um, which is exciting, as exciting <laughs> as it sounds. Um, I know a few of you out here I actually, I actually sold services to. Um, and, uh, you know, if God can take someone like that and, and do what he's done with me and with the bee, um, he can do anything with someone who's fully surrendered to him. So um, all, I, all I really did was I, I kind of, um, after a season of prayer, um, I started to branch out, I started to write things, I started to submit ideas to the B. This was in 2019, uh, and that turned into a full-time job very quickly, so. Hmm. And so again, you went to school to be in logistics and all of this kind of thing, you're doing that. All along, God is preparing you underneath, now for this place of influence that you never really saw coming. Um, but in particular, you're at the Babylon Bee, it's comedy, 
right? And comedy is pretty much dead in our country, right? We can't be funny anymore. Um, but how does uh, comedy and how does humor um, help help us understand the times and help communicate truth? Yeah, well, uh, we live in a, not only do we live in a post-truth culture, but we live in a culture that is so inundated with just distractions and inputs and flash, flashy lights and Instagram and different social media feeds, and people have a very low attention span. Um, and, you know, you're not going to get uh, a lot of response by publishing a 12-page think piece, you know, with all your truth claims in it. But as it turns out, uh, a really quick, you know, pithy one-liner uh, can do can really do a lot to kind of cut through all that noise and, and speak the truth in a, in a very noisy culture. Um, and, and the beautiful thing about a joke is that, you know, a joke is often funny because there's a core of truth there. And when you laugh at a joke that is funny because it's true, your, your conscience is kind of uh, acknowledging that truth involuntarily. Um, that's the beauty of laughter. And, and uh, I, I love when we can um, reach people you know, we, we get letters from, from atheists, from leftists who um, begrudgingly laugh at our jokes sometimes. Um, mm. well, uh, one example I'm thinking of is that we, we had a headline that was, um, it was something to the effect of a uh, Unitarian minister tries to argue with atheists, but they just agree on everything. <laughs> and um, we had a Unitarian minister actually write to us and say, you know, I, I do find you very problematic. I just have to say that. But... I laughed at that joke because it is very true, and then I, and then I thought, oh, that's very true. I, I, I agree with the atheists. There's, maybe there's something wrong there. So it, the laughter comes first, and then sometimes, for some people, it, it causes deeper thought and reflection, and I think that's a beautiful thing. G.K. Chesterton, one of the great English writers, uh, Christian apologist, said that humor can get in under the door while seriousness is still fumbling at the handle, so that's what we do. Hmm. And, uh, I mean, my friends and I, we, we're constantly texting each other, Babylon be headlines, right? And um, because you're right, it, it, it reveals um, the, the truth underneath. It's showing us something, right? And, I mean, it started, um, the Babylon Bee kind of started more as like a, kind of a joke around the church in general. Yep. Right? Yeah, I'll never forget the first uh, joke that I encountered as, just as a fan of the Babylon Bees scrolling through Facebook. It was uh, the Holy Spirit unable to move through congregation after the fog machine breaks. And <laughs> I thought, oh, these guys get evangelical culture. This is great. And so it kind of started as we're kind of skewering the Christian world a little bit, making fun of the idiosyncrasies there. And, and you have to start there. You have to start with making fun of yourself. You can't take yourself too seriously as a Christian because we're all sinners and we all fail and we're all very silly and, and prideful sometimes. Start there, make fun of yourself uh, before you kind of turn the cannons out at, at the foolishness in the world. Yeah, and, and it's working. Like, right. like in, in the sense that like the Babylon Bee is like, it's, it's, it's blown up, right? And I joke about it this all the time, that it's amazing that as like a pastor and as a Christian, people are like, where do you get your news? I'm like, I don't know, I trust the Babylon Bee mo more than most news sources, <laughs> right? And then I just assume that whatever you guys are saying, something opposite happened, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And then there's also these like cultural influencers who you guys are like, you get to talk to. Like, yeah. I mean, you interviewed Elon Musk. Yeah. Like, he might be the most influential person in the world. Yeah. He's the richest, right? And um, like, how does that come to be? Like, as you guys think about like, what God is calling you to, mm -hmm. like what, I mean, what thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I think 
you know, truth is kind of this universal language because we're all creatures made in God's image. We have this conscience that kind of comes alive when we hear the truth. And we live, and like you say, we live in a post-Christian, post-truth culture, and when people hear the truth, it's like a, someone who's starving, someone who's thirsty getting water. And, and I think that's kind of what happened with Elon Musk was, you know, he's, he's an atheist. He's still an atheist. We're working on him. Um, Let's all and, pray. Come yeah, on. pray for Elon Musk. Yep, then Tesla's for everybody. Yep, exactly. Right. And, um, and, you know, he, he obviously doesn't agree with our Christian worldview, but he responded to the truth in our humor. And, um, and you know, God used him to uh, buy uh, Twitter, which is now X, um, which has been this tremendous, uh, you know, event for, for free speech, all because we, you know, refused to take down a joke about, uh, you know, men being men and women being women. Um, you know, just simple, simple. I'll, I'll share a verse. I found this last night as I was um, kind of preparing for this. This is from 2 Corinthians, and this is in chapter 4, verse 2. Um, and it says this, uh, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the opening, or but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And you know, Satan's greatest weapons are cunning and deceit in underhanded ways. Our greatest weapon is just the clear, plain truth spoken boldly. And what you'll notice when you go on the Babylon Bee, you'll, you'll read some of our headlines. Some of them aren't really even a joke. They're just a truth claim. But because it's so ludicrous uh, in, in juxtaposition to our culture, it almost comes off like a joke because we're, we're just the only ones, you know, crazy enough to say, to say it. it. Yeah. You know, the emperor has no clothes sort of thing. Um, and so, you know, the, there's, there's power in just plainly spoken truth. And, and uh, it's, it's really cool to see who responds to that. Yeah, I mean, the sad thing is, like, comedy being dead. But, like, you guys really, it's like sometimes I say this around here with my preaching. I'll preach something and people are like, oh, I can't believe you said that. I'm like, five years ago, everybody said that. Yeah, yeah. And you, you guys can post an article now and go, you know, shocking event, a boy wins the boys' championship, right? Right. Or, or something like that. And, and all of a sudden, people are like, oh my gosh, that's so funny, <laughs> right? Because that's the world we live in. So in all of that madness, how do you stay true? How do you seek out truth? How do you stay grounded mm -hmm. in the midst of all of that? Well, you know, I, it's very unglamorous. It is staying in God's word. It's staying under the authority of a, of a good pastor. Um, and it's, it's prayer, uh, just those daily Christian disciplines. You know, the, God, the word of God is living and active, and it gives us what we need to understand the times that we're in, that this is a spiritual battle. It's not even primarily a political battle. Um, and, I, you know, I, I trust the cultural analysis coming from someone with a GED and a love for God's word more than I do someone who has 50 degrees and writes for the New York Times. Um, knowledge puffs up, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so if, if, we are, if we are in God's word and we're faithful in that, um, and combined with just our common sense, just calling out what we see, um, God's going to use that to great effect. Amen. What's your favorite article? <laughs> uh, it's, that's hard. We, we've written over 14,000 articles at Woo! this point, which is wild. It's hard to believe. I, one of my favorites is my first week of employment at the B. Um, the, the NFL was doing kind of all this virtue signaling stuff uh, in, their, in their games. 
And um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had just died, so I wrote an article and I did a little Photoshop um, about how LeBron and his, his team, I think it was the Lakers at the time, uh, decided to wear little frilly lace collars, like the judge <laughs> collars, to honor Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death. Um, and uh, I think the, the thing that was funny about that, that that really told me that we were over the target was that um, it went viral on the left because they thought it was true. Um, it went viral in fashion circles in New York and Paris. Cosmopolitan and Vogue magazine were sharing it because they thought it was the most inspirational thing. And um, because it was, it was actually believable that LeBron and the, his team would do something like that. Um, and and w when you can be that close to the truth, uh, that, that, that tells me that your, your analysis is spot on. So yeah. it, was, it was fun. Um, I didn't know you wrote that one. That's like one that, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, one that's one awesome. One. That one's a big one, man. Um, okay, so the, the conference. You've agreed to speak at the conference. Yeah. You we're we're kind of co-hosting this thing. You invited some of your friends. I invited some of my friends. Um, why did you get excited about the conference? Why are you excited about it for them and for Northwest Ohio? Yeah, okay, so three reasons. Um, and I had two reasons during the first service. So this is why you come to the second service. You get Amen. bonus reasons. Um, <laughs> Uh, first of all, you know, I think um, there is a there is a need to um, encourage and, and strengthen uh, believers. I think a lot of us, we are facing this in our daily lives. Um, we're, we're, we can put ourselves at risk in our jobs if we stand up and speak the truth. Um, and I, I want to encourage and embolden believers to, to live out uh, God's truth. In, in their not just when they come to church, but when they, they go out and they're, they're in their workplace. How do you do that? How do you navigate that when you could be putting your job at risk? I think that's something really important, something that we can help with. Um, you know, the other thing is that uh, clear truth, uh, this conference here, it, it, it's not just gonna be a conference. Uh, one thing I love about Redemption and, and what you're doing here, uh, Steve, is that uh, you guys are builders. Um, Satan is a destroyer, uh, so Christians should be builders. And, and there are a lot of exciting things being built here. Clear Truth Media is going to be one of them. I mean, we've seen over the last four years, we've seen a lot of our kind of most trusted evangelical, American evangelical institutions kind of go the way of the shifting winds of culture, whether that be Christianity Today, the Gospel Coalition, um, some of these other publications. And something new needs to be built. We need to have a new place where Christians can go, that, where they have content they can trust, that, that uh, is unapologetic about speaking the truth and, and, and uh, standing on the word of God. And so this conference is just the beginning. There's gonna be a lot more to come from there. And, and this is a chance for people to kind of get in on the ground level. Um, and, and see what God is doing there. And then, you know, finally, um, speaking clear truth is the way we evangelize in this generation. Um, our world is starving for this. I mean, absolutely starving for it. We live in a confused world. I mean, we've seen the massive growth that, that you've experienced here at Redemption, yeah. you know, and is, is it because you're a good speaker? Yes, you're a good speaker, but there are many good speakers. You know, the music is great, but there are also many great worship bands out there. You know, you have distinguished yourself by being unapologetic about um, standing on God's word, treating God's word as, as relevant to today's culture, and then speaking that truth to the culture. And people aren't getting it anywhere else. I mean, they really aren't. I mean, there are a lot of spiritual leaders who are in fear over a lot of these hot-button cultural issues. And, and so, um, you know, I think that God will use Christians who are unafraid um, and 
you know, people like Elon Musk, people, you know, like that Unitarian minister, um, they're going to see Christians standing on the truth and they're going to be attracted by that. Amen. And how do we get to that place? By being prepared. Yep. Just like we talked about this morning, you flee youthful passions, right? You, you avoid the, the, this unnecessary stuff and you understand the day and then you respond, right? And here's what you get when that happens, by the way, if you're wondering what my shirt is, you get called beyond problematic, okay? Uh, and so this was a quick story on Facebook a couple of months ago uh, when we were being very active on um, issue one. There was a group of ladies who were arguing on Facebook about how problematic I was uh, and what we were doing in our church. This also then turns into tons of one-star reviews um, when you are a church that <laughs> believes in standing for truth, okay? Um, and I'm sure you get called much worse things on Twitter than, than beyond <laughs> problematic. Um, but like we've been talking about for months now, Isaiah 59, 14, those who depart from the narrative will become a target, right? And we know that. And part of the conference is um, let's get all the targets in one room and uh, let's encourage each other, let's equip each other. And guys, I think this is mind blowing. Like you look at the list of speakers coming from, we have people from the Daily Wire, the Babylon Bee, and Turning Point USA, which are like three of the leading organizations championing truth, right, in our country. Here in Monclova, I'm like, this is mind blowing to me, right? No one even knows where we are. Um, and, and it's super fun. Uh, one of your friends you invited, Megan Basham. Yeah, Megan's tell awesome. us, um, Tell us what you're excited about with Megan. Yeah, Megan, uh, she is a journalist with The Daily Wire, she has been kind of on the evangelicalism beat for several years, and she's chronicled how, uh, how kind of this, this leftism, a lot of these godless philosophies infiltrated the church in, in a very sneaky way. She has the receipts. She's been very good about kind of clearly uh, talking about these issues, and uh, she's going to kind of share a little bit about how that happened, and then she's going to share some really cool stories about people who fought back against that, whether they were, um, you know, uh, professors at, at in seminaries or at secular universities or corporations, um, how how God em empowered some people to to fight back against that that very insidious uh, infiltration um, that I think will be really inspiring to hear. And it, this should make us angry. Like yeah. the the theological left intentionally infiltrated evangelical institutions in order to take them off of the biblical standard because they knew that without the church standing. Uh, in a culture, the culture is now open and pray to anything, which is literally exactly what we have seen, right? In the presence of a weak church, uh, culture is not doing whatever it wants. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm going to be talking about uh, how the Babylon Bee went up against some of the most powerful corporations, politicians, um, you know, media organizations in the world, uh, and somehow won. Amen. I don't know how. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I do know, I have a little bit of an idea how. I'm going to tell you how it happened and, and yeah. hopefully how you can uh, apply some of these to your life as well. Amen. Uh, and then there's a whole bunch of other speakers and uh, guys, come, um, but then also invite friends uh, from other churches, invite pastors from other churches. We are hoping this is like just a Northwest Ohio hub, that it becomes a tradition each and every year. As it becomes more and more of a tradition, we can invite more and more speakers coming in. And uh, we're super excited about this. It's a big step for us as a church. Um, but it's kind of crazy um, because what we want to do is see what God has done in our church and the, uh, the way he has impacted us and, and see that influence begin to spread out across Northwest Ohio um, as more and more churches begin to stand for truth. Joel, you got any closing thoughts? 
No, just I, I'm excited. I can't wait to see what God does with this in, in the coming year. Um, like you said, it's going to be a crazy year. Yes. So buckle up, everybody. Amen. Hey, can you guys tell Joel thank you for stopping by? Guys, this is, it's so much fun. Like, I look at, at what's going on with the conference. Uh, I mean, look at this last year. We started a garden and a college. Like, 15 years ago, if you would have told, like, young megachurch Stephen, hey, someday you're going to lead a church uh, that starts a garden and a college, I would have thought, like, what exit did I get off on, right? And, but what do you do? You understand the times, and you follow God and you're obedient. And in 2024, guess what? God's gonna ask you to do something and you're gonna go, what exit did I get off on? Well, you got off on Salisbury, you showed up here, God changed your life, and now it's time to do something about it, all right? And as we go into the next year, uh, I hope you're excited. I hope you're optimistic. I hope you can look back, you can see everything that God has taught you in 2023, but he's doing it to prepare you for what he wants to do in 2024. And if you're gonna run at full speed, flee youthful passion, Stop arguing about stupid things. Understand the current moment and then trust God and see what he wants to do. Amen? And here's my pledge. I will be as beyond problematic in 2024 as I was in 2023. All right? All right, would you guys stand up with me? I want to uh, end with a little bit of a benediction uh, out of Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, so I'm going to read this, then I'll pray. And um, actually, before I do that, because I want to end here, let me just tell you a couple of things. You, can, you know what? Sit down. Just kidding. I'll be real quick. Um, if you're new around Redemption, we'd love to get connected with you more. Stop by the table out in the lobby. Um, that, that's first. Uh, next Sunday, we'll kick off our new series called Mission 24. Uh, if you need a calendar or you want a calendar for everything exciting going on, you can do that on your way out. Just grab one on your way out. They'll be right there. Uh, and then uh, last week, I announced that uh, we were giving away some money for Christmas. We gave away $9,000 to the Pregnancy Center, $9,000 to a church in Israel. And as a, as a church this year, whether it was to needs within our own church family or gospel movements outside of our own uh, redemption entity, we've given away over $150,000 this year. And so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and, and I would encourage you today, um, evaluate how God has blessed you and, and, and given to you this year. If you want to make a year-end gift, you can do that online at experienceredemption.com or you can put a check in the mail dated 1231 uh, and, and it'll be on this year. And thank you guys uh, for, for blessing and for funding everything that God is doing here. We're so grateful. We'll, we'll steward it well uh, and we'll continue to be open to where God would lead us, okay? All right, that's all I had to say. Now stand up. And let's pray, or let's uh, read this passage and then I'll pray. Ephesians chapter three, uh, just pray this over you this year. For this reason I bow, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Hey, let's pray. Lord, 
We are your humble servants. We want to be prepared for everything that you have. I don't want to miss anything because I was unprepared. And so, Lord, prepare each and every one of us. Empower us by your Holy Spirit and do beyond what we could ask or imagine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. For more information, you can visit Experience Redemption on Instagram or Facebook for updates, service times, and ways you can get connected. Want to partner and support the work of Redemption Church? You can give online at experienceredemption.com slash give online to explore your giving options. We also stream services on both YouTube and Facebook Live, so be sure to join us and share your experience. Thanks for checking out the podcast. We will see you soon.